Hello, welcome to the Pit Stop Podcast. I am Jordan Dyler Colvin. I am joined by Tyler Walzak, and we are here on June 5th, Monday, a day after the, uh, well, wonderful circuit in Barcelona that got even better this year without uh, a little a little hitch removed, fast corners, lots of opportunities for overtaking, a breath of fresh, fresh air after uh, Monaco a week ago, and then we're going to get a little bit of a break here, Tyler. We were supposed to have a triple header. It became a double header. We had a week off here, but now it's time to digest what we saw in Spain. Two two drivers with their home Grand Prix didn't really go well for either of them, but let's start at the beginning, Tyler. For you, just over overall thoughts on how this race weekend went. Uh, we've had a lot of Formula One recently, lots of things to look at and think about. Now the upgrades are really coming to sort of ahead we got to see what they really were worth at this circuit i mean this was the talk of of this circuit after we went through monaco right when the upgrades obviously weren't going to show what the what they were able to do in monaco but that mercedes is this was the track where it needed to show up and prove that it has upgraded its car and i get a two and a three p2 p3 you gotta say it kind of worked out for them didn't it yeah, it was great. I mean, from the Mercedes perspective and as a, you know, admitted fan of of the team, I thought it was fantastic to see that that was working. I was worried a little bit leading into the weekend cuz they didn't look that quick in uh, a few of the the final practices. I think they were tinkering away with the the car and trying to get, you know, it all kind of dialed in there, but obviously they found the, the the race pace and they were able to do the right thing strategically and it it worked out really well for them. Definitely happy with that. For me, it's like I look at this race overall, and I mean, obviously, we're gonna in a second we'll get into the kind of nitty gritty of it all. But for me, it's like I don't know uh, when a guy's winning a race by over thirty seconds, something's not quite right. And uh, overall, I think the state and the health of Formula One uh, does come into question a little bit when you've got a team who was called out last year for violating the the salary cap, the 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 spending cap. And the punishment is clearly not sufficient. The, they're, they're clearly just still with a distinct advantage, a development advantage, a, a strategic advantage. They've put themselves in a position where no one's going to be able to catch them this year. Everyone should already be thinking about next year, as far as I'm concerned. Yes, you got to stay in the constructor's race. You got to do all those things. But like it's Red Bulls to lose. They have not lost a race this season. They have... Uh, got the two of their drivers still competing at the top, but it's really Max's to lose at this point too. Yeah, like no, I'm sorry, nobody's sure. catching them at this point. No matter how good the rest of the season is for Mercedes, they're just the gap is so big and it's so dramatic, and it it does annoy me a little bit as a fan just to see that like the 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 I if I was any other team, I'd be spending over the cap and saying come come penalize me because if that's all that it takes, then I'll, I'm willing to do whatever it costs. And that just that's that's not the best thing for a sport that's trying to figure out what its next sort of evolution is when it comes to trying to level a playing field. That's just my big overall takeaway. I think that we know that this is Verstappen's title. We know he's the best driver on the track right now. We know that Red Bull has the best car on the track right now. But we've been saying this as many times as we can is you don't watch for number one. Like there's races where you know, and this was one of them was as soon as Verstappen got two seconds, three seconds ahead after that like first few laps, you're like, okay, so they're going to lose this in the pits or something's going to happen that would be completely drastic um, to lose, but you can't, you have to, you just have to stop watching 
the race for the winning. It's a weird thing to say, but stop watching to see who wins the race. True. Because if not you take about away the race, I'm talking about know. the season. I'm talking yeah, about like every year, though. there's always some team that comes out with the best car to start the year. That's the reality of the sport. Somebody's developed well over the year. But the question is how quickly can the other teams, the best of the rest, close that gap? And you hope that there's at least one or two other teams that can be nipping at their heels. Like even through all of Mercedes dominance for eight years, there was always at least one other team that was pushing them, challenging them, making a couple of those races difficult, you know, and we were spoiled obviously in 2020 to have like two 2021 to have both Red Bull and Mercedes basically neck and neck mm-hmm. car quality wise, right. Where it really did come down to driving since then. Max hasn't had anybody in a car competitive to him other than his teammate. And even then Sergio Perez doesn't have the consistency to really push and challenge him. So it's easy to say Max Verstappen is the best driver in the world. I would argue Max Verstappen right now is a very good driver in the best car in the world. And if he were in an equal car to some of these other teams, I think he'd have to be driving better than he is right now to still be as, as dominant as he is. I don't think he is having to be pushed to his full potential as a driver right now, considering how good a car he has. It's just, that's like, that's the advantage part of having that good a vehicle. I don't know. I disagree with everything you just said. Because, everything? Yeah. One, yes, I was talking probably more strictly about watching the race, but that yeah. qualifies for the larger picture as well. We yeah. came into the season knowing Verstappen's going to win this title. Did you not? Everyone knew that. It was over before it began. Sure. It was over before it began. Sure. There was no one that was going to compete with him. And then we got a little bit of Perez taking some wins from him and thought, oh, maybe this is going to be those two. But so to say that... But to say that Max is not the best driver on the circuit right now and that he's just a very good driver in the best car. I'm just saying, if you put him in a Ferrari right now with the problems that they've had, if you had him and Leclerc in the same vehicle, he would have to be working harder as a driver than he is to be getting the most out of that car. Right now, he doesn't have, he like minimal effort. Keep it literally. They had to remind you him say to that stay about inside any the champion, lines. Couldn't you, couldn't you say that about no, any but, champion? No, I don't think that that's true because I think that there have been times when, for example, let's go back. So you're saying to when if, it was if you put Lewis when Hamilton, we, when in Lewis any should car. have, when Lewis if should have Lewis won Hamilton a championship against Red car. Bull, just when let he me was finish hot. my point. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Lewis Hamilton had to drive to the absolute like pinnacle of his potential when he was competing with Max in 2021 because if he made the slightest mistake, if he if he hit the wrong button coming out of a restart in, in Azerbaijan. He's off the road. It doesn't, he's it's gone. The, the opportunity is missed because of how tight and thin the margin is. We went into the final race, for literally all, tied for all but seven the, years. He won. No, for some of those years, well, that's what I for mean. Some of those years, for some of those years, he was not the best. He did not have to be the best driver in the world because he had the best car. And that's, I guess what I'm trying to say. You, yes, it's easy to say he's the best driver because he's winning everything. I'm just, I'm just trying to say that if you have, the best car and you are as clearly dominant as max is in that vehicle. You are not that nobody is touching him. Nobody's challenging him. Most of that race. He hasn't even seen another car. That's on the same lap as him. Like that's not, you can't tell me that max Verstappen would sit there and say he's driving the best he's ever driven right now because he's not like, he is not having to compete with any peer. 
He's but why can Perez not do that? Why is Perez not there? Because he's not as good a driver, and that's true. So that's fair. But doesn't that say, that say something the that they're in the same car? But and if you such put a huge Lewis difference. Hamilton or you put even Alonso the way he's been driving recently in that RB19, Max Verstappen would have a much different uh, well, level I don't of competition know about that. to compete with him. I don't know about that because apparently Alonso is just letting his teammate finish ahead of him these days. All right. Well, let's get to this race because we've done the big philosophical. That's the segue right there. What the hell was was Alonzo doing just coasting behind waving? Like what did he? I think they both knew their car just wasn't there this week. I think they missed something in the in the setup. I think they just didn't have because they had no they had nothing to compete with the the flat out speed on the straightaways. Like this is this was definitely it exposed one flaw we have not yet seen in the Aston Martin this year. The Aston Martin design wise, which is obviously very much a carbon copy of the RB18, it, it definitely uh, was exposed for having a flaw in its design. It could not compete on the straightaway. This is a very straightaway heavy track. The DRS is very explosive. We saw that with the Mercedes overtaking the Ferraris, but like. The Aston Martin just did not have the pace. And I think that, to be honest with you, I think Alonso kind of just mailed it in because he knew he didn't have the car. He could get some points and get out of there. And I think that he's worked really freaking hard all year and he was okay to take one re- weekend off. I don't know. Maybe he wasn't feeling well. I don't know. You're right. It was very uncharacteristic. As I said, do you think he would have did, yeah, did that with a con last year? Probably not. No. No, I don't think he would have at all. Because especially no. when you saw them just yesterday or yeah, yesterday we got a glimpse of the two of them back at it again. Yeah, I'm. I don't. I don't know. It was weird for me to see Alonso just kind of be like, just hey, just let him go ahead of me. It doesn't matter. Like he had the pace to pass him. He was just coasting the entire time. He's waving at the corners. Yeah, it was definitely that was definitely a weird one for sure. Uh, And I mean, he wasn't the only one who had an odd and sort of out of characteristic race, but uh, definitely an odd one. Let's jump to just let's just rewind it a bit. We we got a little off track there. Although I thought I think that, that you know. I still stand by what I said. You let's go to qualifying track. for a second. You I went crazy off. for a second. Well, let's there. talk about getting off track. Qualifying. That's a segue <laughs> for you, man. We're just like piling up the segues today. Uh, we got a little. So speaking of teammates, you, you said Alonzo and Ocon. How about this uh, moment of Mercedes v. Mercedes there in qualifying? What was that about? We had Russell ahead coming into break and then Lewis trying to take the outside line on him. They make contact. Lewis loses part of his front end plate and uh, it spoils Russell's flying lap. But that was like, and of course everyone draws the analogies to the war, of the silver arrows and Nico Rosberg and stuff. Like obviously these two guys do not have the same kind of animosity towards each other. They seem very cordial. They seem to be still working together, trying to make this work, but that was weird. It was out of character so far from Mercedes. And on a weekend when they were just trying to get it all to good together. And eventually we see the result. You know, looking back now, it's sort of odd that that was what was qualifying, considering how successful they were in the race together, both landing you, on the podium. But that was weird, was it not? It was very weird. And you said that Russell was on flying lap and that ruined his flying lap. I don't believe that. I think Hamilton was passing Russell and Russell backed off and went. Oh, maybe that's what it was. Then. Into him. It was odd, um, though. It was very odd. And right away, Russell said that he blamed the guys for saying, hey, you didn't the spotters for saying you didn't tell me there was someone behind me. You didn't tell me there's someone behind me. Yeah, rear view mirrors too, though, don't you? In those cars, bigger this year too. They're larger yeah. than they've ever been. Like you couldn't see that guy. You couldn't see Hamilton coming. I don't know. That it was very strange, and it could have easily turned what was a great weekend for Mercedes into what could have been a very horrible weekend. Yeah, for Mercedes. Thankfully, no harm, no foul. Um, winning solves everything, but it could have went two two different ways. Um, 
But that Saturday was also a great qualifying. I don't know. I agree. You, but like that, I would, that was yeah. one of the great, good, well, one of the better Saturdays for qualifying. And look at how the grid ended up, right? So when you have a grid that, I mean, Max is there, Signs is there, fine. Those are usual suspects for being up at the top of the grid this season. But when you have Lando Norris up there yeah, in third, you've got Gasly and Lewis and a bunch of these other guys in the top five, six, seven, eight that we haven't seen up there. And, and, and pushing for positions. Plus, you're losing guys in like Q1, Leclerc's out. Q2, Russell's out. Some of the heavy hitters and some of the better yeah. teams are not there in the end. It's opening opportunities up, doors open for these guys. And fantastic just to see it mixed up uh, and sort of out, of out of character. You know, I was working this weekend and I missed qualifying live. Did catch the grid. I watched it again anyway because I do enjoy qualifying even when I kind of know what the results are because it's fun to see all of the, like, the little uh, sort of where guys – Found yeah, what the, yeah. the times they ended up with. But when I first checked the lineup, I thought it was like still provisional. Like I was like, oh, it isn't finished yet. Lando can't be up there. And I was like, how is Lando up there? This is crazy. And obviously, like I'm sure you saw the video of Zach Brown like walking around the the uh, the garage, high fiving him. He looked like Vince McMahon. Like he was just like a puffed out chest, big you know cocky stride. He was super stoked on it. Very uh, excited for for the grid position and then of course we'll talk about how it went for them in the race in a second but yeah you know but that was could have best, been a better saturday for them that was their best day this year yeah. yeah that was their best day this year and they upgraded the car for what would have been imola but they upgraded it and in fact like i said earlier this was the track to see if those upgrades worked and the times that they're putting in like even piastri like got into q3 yeah. did he not yeah he did um so like it this was the this is what they thought their car could be, and they know that they can put the lap times up there. They just have to finish it off on Sunday. It also shows you, though, like the, the challenge of how these constructors build these cars. So like some of these cars excel incredibly well on certain circuits like this. And I would say you can watch for these cars to also probably do well in Canada, but more importantly, do really well at like Silverstone and at Paul Ricard. Cause those are the similar types of circuits to this here in Barcelona, where like the straightaways matter, the DRS is there. You got high speed corners. They do really well. Obviously teams like Aston Martin, they seem to be doing well on circuits where you've got a slow speed corner into a straightaway. You've got some chicane space. Like they do better with that. And mm -hmm. obviously the Red Bulls is doing well everywhere. But but it's interesting to see how much of a difference is as simple something as simple as the track layout can be depending on where you focused and what you've developed in your car. Mm -hmm. They took six seconds off that track with, by just getting rid of that chicane. I know. And the drivers seem to love it. Oh yeah, they were they went into it knowing that it was going to be. Yeah, there's still like last year we didn't get a lot of passing at this track. There was a lot of passing going on here. It was kind of a different race, but like not to like completely stop talking about Saturday. But do we just not have virtual safety cars or safety cars anymore? Is it just like everything's so clean? Well, now okay, but it's just I do have one question about that because they threw a red flag in qualifying when a yeah, driver was not even like he still got the car back on the road, like. So you, it's you're right. Done it, they haven't done it for so long. There's like, is this the right one? Is this the right flag that for it this? Was, that was weird because it Very was like you've completely wasted this opportunity for these guys on these like warm up laps. Now they have to go and cool the tires off and all this shit. But like you could have probably waited an extra 35, 40 seconds and made a fine car a call. They would have been, you know, he would have been safe. But you're right. We have very few safety cars this season. No safety car 
or a virtual safety car at Monaco, which is nuts. Nothing this weekend. Like very clean racing. I would argue too clean. Frankly, if I was Carlos Sainz, I would have probably tried to put a little bit of tire on the side of Verstappen there at the first corner. Think about how aggressive the starts to races were back when people were actually trying to beat each other. Lewis and Max made contact on every single start that entire season, and they still both found themselves competing for the championship at the end. Maybe some guys who want to get their elbows out and get in there. Now, I'm not saying drive dirty i'm just saying drive more aggressively like again going back to my point about max nobody's challenging him no one's making him make the mistakes he used to make when he was really under pressure because they're just giving him the right away and it's like sure you know he'll probably pass you in three laps but can you make it difficult for him a little bit here like well make it messy look at lewis on lando yeah well so this is this is actually my problem is Right along the lines of what you're saying is after the race, you hear a lot of these guys saying, well, you know what? I didn't want to ruin my race, so I knew that he'd pass me in three laps anyways. Like, that is not an attitude that is going to be withheld more withheld up to the standard by the fans for much longer. I don't want to hear, you know he's going to pass you, so you just, yeah. you, you just don't want to put your elbows out. Like, no, I want you to race as much as you, as much as you should want to race, how much they have in the past. It is very strange. I think that would be, if anything, that's the downfall of Red Bull being so good is that people know they're not like they're not gonna be able to hold on for three laps. So why why even bother? Everyone's racing for a second. But you're right, like signs did not try to take any room oh. away from Verstappen on that. And in the last three years, you would see the front row try to drive the other guy kind of off the track a little bit, like not let him have any space at all. Where now it's there's it's just kind of not doing that. Minus no, it's like you the gotta one person, own, Norris. You, you, but you got to go own. Yeah, you've got to go like own your space, especially in that first corner. Like take your line, commit to it. And if you get if it gets a little messy, it gets a little messy. But we just haven't had enough of that this year. Like, mm-hmm. and again, I'm not here advocating for guys to drive into each other. I don't need a whole bunch of carnage and crashes. I certainly don't want anybody getting hurt. But the point is, it's like I'd like a little bit more aggression. Aggression. I'd like yeah. guys to to want to fight a little bit harder here, as I say. Make it just, just make it harder on him. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, give him a hard time. Don't let him get out of here unscathed every single freaking race. You know what I mean? And yeah. then we, because we've seen what happens. Like, if you really want to beat Max Verstappen, you have to go and like, like, like I said, like rub some tire on that car. Do you remember how pissed he was at George during qualifying? Oh yeah. The other day when he popped the side of that that the 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 side pod open on a little yeah. bit of contact. That like, was during the the sprint race. That's what. That's right. During the sprint race, like. Like that's how you get under Max Verstappen's skin. That's how you, that's like, he is incredibly um, weak mentally when he is, when he faces adversity, that is the only, and if I'm like Sergio Perez actually with a chance to beat this guy, it's like the next, and I know they're on the same team and la 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 la, but like, I gotta be hoping somebody's just going to like irritate him a little bit because that's how I can beat him. For sure. For sure. Like, and I think Perez has kind of fallen off that, that ability to, to challenge Max now. He's had a couple bad, bad weekends in a row. But you right now, Perez has the only car that's capable of beating Max. Yeah. But that's not even the best that's driver not in the world. My, you've got that's the not best my car. observation. That is a fact. He is the only one this year that's beat Max Verstappen. Sure. Well, because the only team that's won anything is Red that's Bull. That's what I mean. So they'll probably so win Perez every race. There's a hot to, take. Perez has to fucking start being like that dog, that guy that's just like, you know what? Fine. No one else is going to piss him off. I'll piss him off. Because if no one else is going to pit, start pissing him off, he this is going to be a very, it, again, you'll just stop thinking about first place altogether. 
Um, now, and don't even worry about Red Bull. Like they're, they're just a league of their own. Let's start yeah. looking at what Mercedes can do. Maybe McLaren can pick it back up. But like, where are we fighting for second and third? Um, and fourth, even, it's going to be a lot more exciting than watching nobody challenge Max. Just on the first three turns. It doesn't need to be the whole race, but don't let him have it right away. Because the last two races, you've seen him win all three corners very cleanly at the beginning of the race, which you don't even need to sit on the edge of your seat and go, whoa, 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 whoa. It's kind of just like, okay, yeah, there he goes. Yeah, He's exactly. Gone. Race over. Now, as you mentioned, not a great start to the day, and it kind of ruined the day for him for Lando after a great qualifying, obviously made some contact there with, with uh, Hamilton. I feel like it was one of those racing incidents we've seen at the start of a few races, but it was a guy, Hamilton, trying to make up some spots. He'd started fifth, found himself in third on the second corner. And you can't, you know, he's he's not going to, especially considering the, the two years they've had, he's not going to give an inch. He's going to take his line. He's going to compete mm -hmm. for it. Lando got caught. And unfortunately for him, you know, it, it, it spoiled his day, which is disappointing, I think, because we were all excited to to see what he was going to do with that position, obviously. And we wanted to see what was left there in the McLaren, but they just didn't have the race pace anyway. Then he ended up back at the bottom of the grid. It was, it was a tough start. Yeah. He pitted after the first lap and they told him the box, 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 because his wing was gone. Um, and that does suck because a, a good Lando Norris in the top five is very good for the sport. And we haven't had that in what seems like a year and a half now. Um, and it's, it is a shame because we thought Piastri was going to come in and challenge Norris because he's the next kid that has this name behind him that everybody loves mm -hmm. and wants to do well because he's one of those phenoms, we'll say. Um, and it just hasn't been working out for them. And now you're just thinking, like, hopefully this Saturday from McLaren is what we will see in the future without the obvious Sunday first lap race start crash. Um, because, again, that team good is good for – it's good for everything because then they'll fight Ferrari. They'll fight Alpine. They'll fight Aston Martin. It's just another car to have in the midfield race. The more midfield race cars we have, the better because first place is over. Yeah, for sure. Um, honestly, dude, we've covered most of what we were going to talk about because this is like, this is probably one of the lower event races we've had this season. Yeah. You talked I mean, all like, about events last, last I, I week. I completely jinxed us. Like, that's what we want is high events. We got all of the excitement at Monaco yeah. and then we get a race that usually gives us a little bit of drama and it was just so event free, honestly. I mean, you know, obviously the Ferrari guys once again, didn't really set themselves up to succeed and they didn't have the car to do it, but they weren't even really in the fight. Mercedes, once they got ahead and they, they, it was a great undercut, frankly, from Hamilton, like the, the strategy was there for them. Yeah. Mercedes put themselves again in, in the best position. They made the overtakes when they needed to, like there was just no drama. It was a very event free and, and, and kind of docile race. Now, anything else you want to touch on before we hand out some awards? Um, it was a disappointing day, even though it was good for Gasly and Ocon, um, because their car on Saturday had race pace. Yeah. And then obviously Gasly took two penalties qualifying, which I don't know how that happens twice. Um, someone's not watching his car for him. Um, but it was Zhao was great on Sunday. That was an unbelievable drive from him. A little bad luck for Sonoda, but he did. Now that we're talking about sticking elbows out, that didn't work in his favor. Um, yeah. He did get, he did not leave enough room, which, um, on Zhao, which caused him a penalty. Um, but those two guys are, had a great day. And then it's just, it's nice to see Mercedes back. 
at yeah. that speed for at least one race to to make it interesting. I would say the nice thing about it is that when it comes at a race like this, you know that there's potential in that car because this exactly. is the kind of circuit that we saw them starting to get better at last year. Obviously, near the end, they were starting to push again. Russell got the one win. They're going to get an opportunity here in the next couple of weeks to really find out whether the development and the strategy that they're implementing is working because these circuits should serve this car well. Now, are they going to catch Red Bull? No, I've already said that. It's over from that perspective. Yeah. But they should be fighting for second place. They have an opportunity to start to leapfrog Aston Martin because really they've got one driver over there. And both Red, both Mercedes are being driven by very confident drivers right now who both seem to feel like these upgrades are working for them. And that is good. That's what you want. Yeah. I think of all the teams, frankly, Mercedes might have the two most consistent drivers in comparison to each other. They, you know, yes, Russell had a bad qualifying. It didn't work out. We've had Lewis do that a couple weeks ago, but it seems to be when we get to race day, unless barring an issue, they tend to both be able to get the most out of their car on the day. And if they're both on their day, they are right next to each other somewhere in the standings. And in this case yeah. on the podium, which is good. You know what I mean? But Aston Martin's got a great driver in Alonso and a subpar one in stroll. Ferrari usually has one or the other guy awake for most of the yeah. race. The other guy just seems to not show up. And the same thing, you know, for, for um, Alpine or for, you know, McLaren, like it, it goes down the line, all of the other teams, everybody else in the rest seems to have like one guy gets a, a, has a good day. The other guy doesn't, or they're just in a car that doesn't matter. And they're irrelevant and down at the bottom of the table. Anyway, Williams. It's very odd because I just, even a couple of years ago, we said that Ferrari has probably the two best consistent drivers. Like if you're talking about guys that yeah, should always, but it's it's not it's not working out right now. I mean, and even Red Bull because we're having one. Perez has a great day, and then he has a really terrible day. Max is consistent, yeah. but but he's the best driver in the world, apparently. So apparently, um, let's hand out some, <laughs> let's hand out some hardware. I I hate that I have to defend yeah. Max Verstappen. You're driving me crazy. No. Knowing I, that I'm I have to roll. defend the guy. I did this yesterday on Hattrick. So we were talking about Gary Bettman and somehow I tricked Elliot into realizing that he was defending Gary Bettman because I was going at him so hard. And he was like, I cannot believe you made me defend Gary Bettman. And I just made you defend Max Verstappen. I hate it. But he's the best driver. let's be honest, of the two guys driving this podcast, one of them is, is, is the lead driver. Yeah. <laughs> well, the other one's the younger kid. Oi. All right, let's go. Uh, we've got some hardware. Our driver of the day. I think we have different people for this one. We do. Because so I see, why don't you go yours first and I'll tell you why mine are more accurate. Well, I mean, the obvious choice is Max Verstappen because it was so dominant, but I can't go with Max Verstappen. No, for boring. me, it That's was boring. Hamilton. It was Hamilton because it was the first time we really saw uh, a glimpse of you know, seven time world champion, Lewis Hamilton in a car he could actually drive and compete with. He was consistent. He was strong. He made all the right decisions. He, he, his team was there for him. They had a great pit stop strategy. They, he, he, both Mercedes, to be honest with you, found amazing pace out of those uh, soft tires and put in Lewis's case, put it on the road an extra like 10 laps over signs, which was did end up to be the difference because then they won the pit stop battle, but that's also about driving. That's also about making sure that you're, you know, maintaining those tires and, and keeping them at the right temperature. And he did a great job. So for me, my driver of the day would have gone to Hamilton. So mine goes to the guy in the other silver arrow. Um, Hamilton went from started fourth, finished second. Russell started 12th, finished third. Those numbers alone tell you who the driver of the day was. 
That's fair. And I think that that's a fair argument. I just think that again, the guys, Lewis, the guys, Russell passed or the guys, it's the rest of the field. Passing. It's the yeah, rest but, of the field. And they were faster than all of them. Lewis just didn't have quite a solid c- competition ahead of him. And he made his big move on the first lap. So by that point he had only one to catch anyway, but no, that's fair. So the Mercedes, so basically Mercedes, Mercedes. was the drivers of the day. <laughs> yeah. All right. We can go with that. Uh, who's our not so driver of the day. Well, I'm going to go first on this one because I think, and it's, I know that this is like just kind of kicking someone while they're down, but Hulkenberg had a great Saturday, started seventh, and he finished 15th. That's yeah. insane. He's driving and Haas a Haas. Keeps doing this. So DeVries beat him. Piastri hasn't done anything this year. He's beat him. Sunata beat him. Like they're faster. They're, they have a car pace. They just can't seem to do it on Sundays. Because he's driving a Haas. Well, why does the car have pace on Saturdays always? I don't know, dude. From the always. time Haas Hulkenberg. joined Formula One, one car does well and the other car goes to shit. I don't know why. It's just how Haas works. Go back and watch races of Roman Grosjean and, and K-Mag from a few years ago. It's like one of them's good. The other guy's terrible. And then they could never figure out how to get both cars at the same in the same window. I don't know why. It's time for Gunther Steiner to go. I was going to give it to Charles Leclerc because for me, we we discussed last week that Perez was our driver, our, our, our not so driver of the day because technically he was our not so driver of the weekend. He had a horrible weekend overall. I would argue Leclerc had one of the worst qualifyings he's ever had in his career. It doesn't work for him. He doesn't know what's wrong with the car. They couldn't identify the problem at the time, but he was convinced something wasn't there. It wasn't going together they had to start him from the pit lane because they changed parts and then he just had nothing like you talk about russell starting 12th and getting to where he was like leclerc should have been making his way through the pack by like look at how sergio perez did it right because sergio perez started back there and he ended up what in fourth or fifth like Perez started 11th still though he made his way up there just like Russell did. Leclerc should have at least been in the points earlier yeah, in that race. Like, he should have been able to get up there with the car he has and the way he drove. So for me, I think he had the worst day because it felt like once qualifying didn't go his way, I felt like he just he just didn't show up the rest of the weekend. And for me, that's not good enough when you're in that car. I, I think that's uh, commendable. And the fact that, yeah, he didn't, he had, he was bitching and moaning all Saturday in that car. Yeah. It's like, and then he didn't even try. It was, it was almost like he gave up. He was like, "I'm frustrated with this. I'm not going to do it out of principle." And then, yeah, he didn't show up on. Uh, well, he he didn't show up. He should have been in the points. He was eleventh place, but he should have been Still in the points. Should have been there, right? It's a Ferrari. A Ferrari should be in points. So, can we give him not so driver of the day? You don't want to give it to Hulkenberg? No, I don't remember seeing Hulkenberg. <laughs> really, he was passed by everybody. It's about the stakes. It's about the stakes. For me, the stakes are higher for Leclerc. The stakes are higher for Leclerc, but and if he's that bad, seven, like, come on. like qualifying, have great qualifying. I'm giving it to Leclerc. Okay, fine. Give it to Leclerc. I'm not going to radio call of the race. Haas. Radio call of the race. This one, I think we are unanimous on. Hundred percent to, to George Russell with an iconic call. Is it raining or is this just sweat on my visor? Like that was actually really weird. I thought about that for too long. After I was like, how does he not know the difference? It's like, is it funny. just the track is not slick it's at all? The condensation You're... inside of your helmet, sir, not rain. Like it's, it's actually crazy. Cause you would have felt it in the car. Would you not? I don't know. I have no idea. Sliding around instead of I, just seeing I it. I mean, you'd her... have thought so. You'd have thought so. 
Anyway, All that's right. our dra- that's our radio call of the race. That was an easy win. Overtake of the race. I think uh, we both had different ones. Ironically, I like this is this. I have to admit this. I wrote this down, but I actually can't even remember this overtake. So it definitely can't win this award. I wrote down Gasly overtake lap 23. Must have been good at the moment. They talked I don't about remember it, it. And I don't they even said, know who it was. He on. dipped down inside and they they did talk about it for about a lap saying, wow, what a pass. What a pass by Gasly. And they replayed it over and over again. But. Um, as much as a Gasly fan I am, I went Alonzo over Ocon just because of the history yeah, they had. And Ocon essentially drove him off the track in the straight. And uh, and Alonzo just kind of held on to it half off the half on the grass, half on the track and, and got past him still. It was yeah. very exciting. It was very um, it had history to it. It was one of those like there's more to just passing this guy than passing a random car. Yeah, that's 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 definitely the better one, and we'll go with that. So Alonzo for the overtake on Ocon. All right, those are our awards. That is the Spanish Grand Prix. We will be back in a moment. Creativity has the power to take our breath away, to move us to action or reaction, to invite us to feel more fully alive. And when the creativity is coming out of the kitchen of a local restaurant, the experience has the power to do all of the above and put a smile on your face. Q Burger in Qualicum Beach on Vancouver Island is home to culinary creativity led by owners Aaron and Kevin. Together they have managed to make a local burger joint a must stop on any trip up the central coast of the island. In fact, readers of Canadian Living Magazine recently voted it one of the top five burger restaurants in Canada. And if you're saying, yeah, but a burger joint's a burger joint, then let me ask you, what other burger joint allows you to choose between a Boomageddon, all caps, with double the beef, double the bacon, and double the cheese, and Wicked Sticky, where the roasted chicken breast is topped with balsamic reduction, roasted garlic, and fried brie, or the new Sonic Pickle Boomerito, yep, with an exclamation point. And if meat is not your treat, Consider a Brock of Ages, the Thai Tuna Tornado Wrap, or Halibut and Chips caught fresh from the ocean 10 minutes down the street that morning. The fish, not the chips. Put it on your bucket list. Q-Burger, locally owned and operated in Qualicum Beach, BC. All right. Uh, Tyler, you know what time it is. It's time for mail. Okay, this question comes to us from a very loyal listener. Fariel has asked us a very good question, Tyler. This one's topical. We've had a lot of questions about technical things. We've been asked questions about the cars. We've been asked questions about circuits. We've been asked questions about where drivers live and why they live there. But this one is a very mid-season kind of question that a seasoned formula one fan starts getting itchy for silly season uh, at about this time. And obviously we've already had some speculation. We had some question marks around Lewis and Ferrari and all of this sort of speculation. And now, you know, drivers are in, and team principals are starting to have to answer questions about when they're going to start contact negotiations. So Fariel asks us, there are eight driver drivers whose contracts are up at the end of the year. She lists them: Lewis, DeVries, Sergeant Sonoda, uh, Zhao, Magnuson, and Hulkenberg. What are your predictions? Who will get dropped or picked up? And do you predict any surprise firings? Um, I, well, first of all, I, I 
not to like say anything wrong, but I don't know if Kevin Magnuson's contracts. Yeah, that's that's this year. We um, think Magnuson has a deal, but that's fine. Yeah, but um, I say the surprise firings come from above. They're, I think, mm. like I said earlier, um, Gunther Steiner. I think he's done just because now he's causing off-track drama that's actually affecting the team. Um, and something else has to change. It's basically, just his keep... team though. You just can't keep changing drivers and expect to win well, and know, scream at everybody. He still. built the team for Gene Haas. Like, who are they going to replace him with? Well, you can't. Okay, well, so you're going to continue. I'm to just be saying Haas that's the messy like, part of how that team is built. That's the problem. You're, I, you're, I mean, it has to happen at some point. I I don't disagree with you, but I would be more. I would I would not be surprised if Gene Haas sold that team to like Andretti before he actually fired people from inside right. of it. That's all I'm saying. Um, I think that I don't. I don't believe that um, Hulkenberg will be back just because I think there's too many names out there and they want to switch something up. And that's going to be the last save. It's kind of like a last, last ditch effort for Gunther to keep his job is to bring yep. in one more person. That's kind of got a name behind him. Um, I think Alpha Tori. Well, they can make a, they can make a play for Ricardo. I think Ricardo goes to Alpha Tori. Um, I don't think Sunoda stays, even though he's having a really good year for that car. Just listening to him on the radio is like, oh my God, dude, you are pissing off everybody that wants to like you just by being like very He spun that car. He spun that car in a corner during qualifying. No one around him, nothing on the track, just spun it. Yeah. And it was one of those moments where I thought to myself like, Okay, here's a great example of like a Nicholas Latifi. It's like this guy, I'm sorry, just does not belong here. He's he's clearly not consistent enough. He's clearly not good enough. On his best day, maybe. Yeah. He's just there's better, there's probably better guys out there right now who deserve a shot. Yeah. Um let's see what else. Alvatore's like both cars are up at Alvatore. I think DeVries stays just because of all the hype behind him and it's his first year. I think the rookies kind of have a chance to stay i don't know it's weird because none of the rumors have started to happen early enough this year except for maybe ricardo and lewis hamilton going to ferrari has been a rumor um but that won't be able to happen for something like someone would have to get fired for that to happen Um, i don't think that's happening yet i think that i think lewis is going to give toto one more try here i think that they are going to really find out what this car how how much they can get developed in this car for the rest of this season and that will determine whether or not lewis has a has but I think in Lewis's mind, I think he genuinely believes he still has a chance to be world champion again. And I think he's looking at this field and going of all the teams, you know, and the inconsistencies with it. I think I'd rather stick with the team that, you know, has the most recent track record of figuring it out before I go to one of these teams that has great potential but has no consistency whatsoever. Like I don't know why you would go to Ferrari right now, considering yeah, I know, how especially up and down your cars it's been. faster. Yeah. That's so, what I mean. Uh, I think whoever has the better car this year, I think Lewis stays there for maybe just even one year. Because um, yeah. Leclerc both up after the next season. Um, and I think Williams, I don't think, you know what? I take back what I said earlier. I don't think Sargent stays um, because they could put Schumacher in that car and actually have him driving for Mercedes now instead of just hanging out in the pit. Um, or is he in the pit with, yeah, he's in the pit with Mercedes, right? Who, Schumacher? Sorry, Schumacher, yeah, yeah. He's their reserve. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so they put him in a car uh, at Williams if they get rid of Sargent, who has been awful this year. Um, yeah. The only other prediction I could make that would be, like, like hot and spicy would be Sergio Perez getting fired. 
just because a all the stuff that's happened last year is contracted for one more year, but they could bite that bullet and just bring in even Ricardo if they wanted to. But would Ricardo be willing to drive beside Verstappen again? Would Verstappen want that to happen? I don't know. Yeah, I think that's that's the big question mark, right? Is like where where do you fit those pieces into it? For me, it's like I'm just looking at the list again here. It's like I think that Aston Martin keeps both of their two drivers. I think they're happy with Alonso and obviously Stroll's going nowhere. I think Valtteri Bottas is perfectly safe mm-hmm. at Sauba. And I think that I, I don't think let, there's a spot yet for Lando to go anywhere else. Like I think Lando at the end of his contract of 2025 will be looking to upgrade if McLaren hasn't figured it out and it doesn't look like they're going to. So he's kind of like, you you, you kind of got to think like a couple years ahead in terms of thinking where teams might start making moves now. Like go back and look at Mercedes. Like Mercedes was ready to move on from Bottas two years ago, but they, they knew they were waiting for George Russell. And so yeah. they waited and they gave Bottas one extra year and it was pretty good, but it wasn't enough because had he been a little bit better that year, maybe Lewis would have won. Like he would have had the kind of wingman that Max did in Sergio that year. Right. But yeah. he wasn't there, but they knew they were waiting for Russell. There are, there are teams that are waiting for Lando Norris, like will want Lando Norris to be there. And I, and I, I mean, the obvious ones right now would be like, he would be a great replacement for an Esteban Ocon if it doesn't work out, but Esteban Ocon's earning his seat. He's driving really yeah. well. You know what I mean? Like there's no reason for Alpine to make a change. Um, when, when Sauba changes its moniker from Alfa Romeo back to or to Audi in two years, that'll be interesting to see why they change and choose to do anything if they want to go in a different direction because they've got some different branding and they're German instead of you know uh, Italian and 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 how does that play out? And those are kind of like the long term pieces where you work backwards. The other really interesting like wildcard piece for me is is Alexander Albon because it's like Albon we've seen him in a Red Bull didn't work out, but he's capable of driving a better car. He's clearly a driver of the future. He's kind of sitting in limbo waiting. You've got Ricardo on the outside looking in. We know that there's other guys who teams are interested on the outside to, to, to find spots for, for me, there's three drivers who I don't think we're going to see on the grid next year. I don't think we'll see Yuki Sonoda. I don't, I'm not very confident. We will see. Oh, I can't even. Yeah, I, I'm actually no. I'm I'm fairly confident we won't see Hulkenberg back because I do think there's better options than what he's given us. I think they brought him in because they wanted a stable hand, and I just don't think he's been consistent enough for them. I think that that's fair, and I also would not be surprised if. Ah, uh, no, because I, I I don't think Oscar Piastri or Nick DeVries are going anywhere. Maybe Logan Sargent doesn't stick around. But... To say Sargent makes sense, like that. I, it makes sense for him to leave because they have Schumacher there and they're going to want him on the grid sooner you know what and that actually does make sense you're right because he would fit into the mercedes plan to go to williams i think that that's a good take i think that that's a really good take the only other person who could fit into that williams car and it would be a step backwards would be norris if he was discomforted in a year and a half and just wanted to get out of that situation but he i think he will wait and and i think he would rather drive for mclaren than and in a subpar car than step that far down the grid I, that's my opinion. It's not like a ball test thing where he's just like happy to have a drive because he's been to the top of the mountain with Mercedes and it's not going to get any better. Norris and Ferrari somehow seem like they're lined up to me. You know, the more I, yeah, Norris and Ferrari, maybe. Because you just, all you have to do is sign Leclerc or signs to a one year deal. And then Norris is a free agent and they can get rid of whoever that one year deal was for. 
it just seems like it just seems like it's too good to be true. Um, yeah, I don't know. And I just see him in red. So who leaves? Who leaves Ferrari? Does the Claire get fed up and say, "I want out of here," or does Signs get the boot? Yeah, so Signs isn't going of his own volition. He's happy to be there. He'll oh, stay there as long as he can. A hundred percent. But I don't know. Now, for some reason, the other big question Claire is a better driver. So here's the other big question: Is Sergio Perez driving for Red Bull next year? Well, that's the hot take, right? Is that if if things are bad, which everyone kind of seems to think they are, just based off how it ended last year, then no, I don't think he's there this year. So who takes his spot? Because I don't think it's Daniel Ricardo. It as much as Ricardo, everybody wants yeah. it to be Ricardo, that's where you, that's where it gets interesting because it's almost like they would be better off waiting one more year with Perez, so that Norris is available. Or yeah, no, that makes or, sense. Or you go and you say, all right, we'll give, you know, we'll, 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 we'll try to get, uh, what's this kid, the, the, the American kid who didn't get a super license last year, this time around. Yeah. And, and put him in the other seat at the Red Bull. But we've also seen how bad it's gone for Red Bull when they've had rookie drivers in there. So yeah, their car is not easy to drive. So they're going to want to go towards someone with a little more, uh, the other one that's interesting Experience. is because AlphaTauri be available for them. Well, AlphaTauri is going to need a driver, and remembering that AlphaTauri is also getting a new, like organizational shift with their P yeah. principle, right? So, like, anyway, they they could also be look. I mean, they want Colton Herter. They wanted him last year, obviously, but if they if they can't, I mean, Haas would probably be fine with him too. I think that would be valuable for them to have. I don't know. It's interesting. There's definitely learner. look. The truth is this. It's a great question because there's lots of space for it. I don't think we did a very good job giving you like very definitive answers. So if you were hoping that you were going to walk away from this and go to Vegas and put some money down on who's going to be in which seats, we did not do a good job of that. And I do apologize for that. But I hope that we entertained you with our speculation a little bit. And I think that's add, all she wanted. And you know what I would yeah. say is that let's hold on to this question in our question bank yeah, let's pick and then go back to it in a month when we get closer to uh, the summer break. Summer season, yeah, and then that sure. last episode before the summer break, we re-talk about this and see if anything new has come happened. All right. Because if it is a fun your... question. Oh, it's a great question. It's a fantastic question. And if you want to get your questions answered, you know what to do. You can send us an email at pitstop at ordinarypodcasts.com or you can direct message us on, on Instagram. Get your question on mailbox, box, box. All right, Tyler. It's coming home. Formula One, back in Canada. There you go. Home. Canadian Grand Prix. First Grand yeah. Prix was 1978. 70 laps will be run Uh not this Sunday, the Sunday after. Track record was set by Valtteri Bottas in 2019. Uh, time of 113.078. This track has 14 turns, two DRS zones. Uh, those DRS zones are after turn seven, before turn eight. There's a little straight there. And then this is kind of weird. There's a double DRS straight. It's one detection zone, but it's a DRS. And then there's a chicane. And then the DRS continues until the start-finish line. Um this track is known for a couple things. The Wall of Champions, which in 1999 took out Damon Hill, Jacques Villeneuve, and Michael Schumacher. Um, it's a it's a favorite of the drivers. It has heavy braking chicanes and, and a famous hairpin, of course. Last year's race, we had the wet qualifying. I don't remember. I don't know if you remember, but Saturday was extremely exciting because it was very, I think it was wet tires, not just intermediate tires. Um in the race, Perez lost his engine fairly quickly. Terrible weekend for him. He didn't do well on Saturday. He did not do well on Sunday. Um, the engine didn't help. Um, the first stops in this uh, last year's race 
uh, was from a virtual safety car on lap nine. So everyone kind of took their chances to pit early. It kind of may turn it into a two-stopper. I don't know if that's the history of this track um, off the top of my head, but last year was a two-stopper. Um, Alonzo was fantastic here last year. Um, the undercut works very, very well. Hamilton pulled it on Verstappen last year for a little bit. Verstappen took over. The podium was Verstappen, signs Hamilton. Three DNFs, Perez, Schumacher, Sunata. Um, if you're your fantasy, if you're picking a fantasy guy, I would you gotta go Alonzo on this one, just based off what he did last year and being in a faster car this year. Yeah, good pick, and I think that that's fair. Uh obviously it's a it's fun to have a Canadian race. It'll be prime time. We'll get some good hours to watch some great Formula One action, as you say. Not this weekend, the following weekend, Father's Day weekend. June eighteenth. June eighteenth, yeah, sixteenth, seventeenth, eighteenth, uh at the circuit. Uh, the it's Villeneuve, isn't it? Now, isn't that what it's called? The, the, I don't know the name of it. The um, Circuit Gilles Villeneuve. There you go. Uh, in honor of the uh, great Canadian driver in Montreal. So uh, we will be back on the nineteenth, following that race, to break it down, to discuss it, to talk about all of that. Until then, thank you for listening. We do appreciate it. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to this show and uh, and find. All of the other shows across the Ordinary Podcasting Network by visiting our website, ordinarypodcasts.com. Little shout out here next Sunday, Hattrick turns 100. 100 episodes of the Hattrick Sports Podcast. We will have some special guests. We will have some special features. And uh, you should check all that out. You can find it anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, And as I said, thank you, Tyler. Thank you to everybody for listening. We do appreciate it. And until uh, June 19th, keep it on the road. Pit Stop Podcast is a presentation of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. Thanks for listening. The Ordinary Podcasting Network wishes to acknowledge that the lands on which our conversations take place include... Treaty 6 territory, the traditional meeting ground and home for many indigenous peoples, including the Cree, Dene, Soto, Blackfoot, Métis, and the Nakota Sioux peoples, as well as the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, including the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. We acknowledge the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit, whose footsteps have marked these lands for generations. And we extend our appreciation for the opportunity to live, create, and share stories on these territories. The Ordinary Podcasting Network intends to engage in conversations and dialogue, which acknowledge that reconciliation is not a destination, but a journey, and that we remain committed to practicing our craft in a decolonized space.